That was my bend app that I've literally never done. Bend app? Oh, it's bend stretching. App. Time to bend. Swipe. <laughs> oh, your fingers. <laughs> your fingers getting a hell of a workout. <laughs> Welcome everybody to the Final Countdown, a podcast looking back at great finals within the game of football. I am Lewis here, my co-host Adam. Hello. So the eagle-eared amongst you will hear our great new intro. Our new intro. Uh, it's the second time it's it's been played, but uh, finding the commentary for it, it always throws me because that final quote sounds like it should have a third part, but it's yeah. like spirit, fortitude. And, and then, then it's almost like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It took so, me by surprise. Yeah, bit, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. it's a little bit strange. But uh, nevertheless, everyone, thank you for joining us as we start, or continue, sorry, our new uh, series looking at all the Women World Cup finals as we are close now to the 2023 oh, Women's yeah. World Cup. Um, so we are taking a deep dive into history and going chronologically through all of the World Cup finals. And we are here today with a 1995 final. As me and you have said, Ad, we're not experts on the women's game, but we are... Um, we're students. Yeah, exactly. We are students. So I'm not going to ask you what you know about them. 1995 World Cup final. We're going to just dive straight into it, if that's okay with you. Well, we could have added the what was going on in 1995. Oh, that's feature. good. Yeah, we need to do that for the ones coming <laughs> for the ones coming next. What was happening off the top of the dome? What was happening in 1995? Uh, we were preparing for Euro '96. <laughs> <laughs> This is what we always do. Yeah, we just do it around football. 1995, I'm pretty sure this is the year Oasis headline Glastonbury. That's a good one. Oh, that is good. Straight off the top of your dome. Nicely done. Here we go. I've just typed in because this is very much our window. Biggest number ones of 1995. Yeah, hit me. Robson and Jerome with? Oh, movies? Saturday Night the Movies? No, come on, mate. Oh, Untrained Melody. Yes. Yes. Now we're talking. Uh, some might say absolute belter. Uh, take that with which one of their tunes? Because you're a take that Come aficionado. On, Come on, mate. Back for good. Look at that. Go on, Straight son. away. That is impressive. Whatever I said, whatever I did, I didn't mean it. I just want you back for good. The other one that I'll uh, give a mention to that's on my list here was by Rednecks, and I would never have been able to tell you who Rednecks were. I didn't know Cotton they I did Joe, the song. Yeah, Cotton yeah. Eye Joe. I didn't know who made that song. Well, Big who, tune. who made it popular. I know Big it was a, a country classic before them. Okay, so that's probably enough of the off-the-cuff what happened in 1995. I've um, got to research 99 for next Yeah, we, we really should do <laughs> moving forward. Um, okay, so we're here to talk about the Women's World Cup, though, not just great number ones from 1995. <laughs> So heading into the World Cup, uh, it was expected that Bulgaria would be the country to host. So they were set up for it. However, practical issues, in inverted commas, I don't really know. I tried to look into it, but practical issues forced Bulgaria to step down from hosting the duties. And the country having hosted Euro 1992 successfully, Sweden were requested at short notice to take over. So they became the first ever nation to host a Men's World Cup and a Women's World Cup which I thought was a good one. Right. Oh, because they hosted in 58, didn't they? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so at short notice, they were given because they knew they could basically handle it as they had a few years earlier. 
to host in Sweden, as we mentioned last week. Scandinavian teams led the way early on in, in women's football. We had yep. Norway, Norway, Sweden, yep. even Denmark uh, were all very good. The Scandinavian side automatically qualified at Bulgaria's expense, which I thought was quite harsh. harsh. Really. Lost yeah. the World Cup, you're not coming either. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like, that's uh, my ball. <laughs> Sweden went, it's my like ball. It. I'm taking Global, it. it's my ball. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it's a bit harsh, the Bulgaria, because their government or FA couldn't get their act together. They missed out on playing in the World Cup. <laughs> Um, tournament, which is quite sad. Uh, the Women's World Cup, though, was contested between 12 countries. So we had Nigeria, China, Japan, Brazil, Australia, Denmark, England, Germany, Norway, Sweden, Canada, and the US. So a, a good selection, some of the names we've seen before, but Australia, Canada, and England were making their debut in the competition. Yeah. So a big moment for the Lionesses here. Uh, but as FIFA rules like to experiment, so we touched on this last week when you were talking about... Um, Women's football only being allowed to play 80 minutes yep. because, you know, their little legs couldn't carry them for much longer than that, etc., etc. Um, they decided to scrap that, yep. and we're back to 90 minutes now. They finally understood that uh, women can compete at that level. However, FIFA weren't done in experimenting because they want to use it as a bit of a guinea pig tournament. Do, of course. You, do you have any idea what they brought in for this tournament? It's very American. That's my hint. Really American. Cheerleaders. Not cheerleaders, but that's a good kind of guess. But this is to do with the game. Think basketball. T-shirt cannons. <laughs> no, but I get, well, I, I can't. Ex- I can't exclusively say they didn't do that. They may well have done that in Sweden, uh, but it was a timeout. You oh, really? could call a timeout in oh, the middle of the on. game uh, for a two-minute timeout within each half. So you could I mean, have... football has that anyway. They just get someone to pretend they're injured. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. or you, uh, you know, have a drinks break or whatever. But just the idea that, yeah, again, just trying to mess with something that has worked well for 100 years in men's football, where they go, ah, it's women's football. It's not that serious. Is that because Americans were... Like probably, hey, well, their, their their suggestions would have been taken more seriously. That's than true. That's a really good in point. Men's football. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good point. Maybe it's something that the Americans wanted to experiment with, which you wouldn't put it past them to. to I just wonder that, if maybe. it's a TV thing. From a TV point of view, that's quite boring, isn't it? No, it's not being broad- oh, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. That's, not, that's why the basketball they do. It, true, it? but then it wasn't hugely televised. That's the thing. True. Yeah. It, yeah, w- true. it wasn't. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't massively promoted. I think the final and maybe the semi-finals right. get, get promoted. Uh, not promoted, but you know. Broadcast. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so they brought that in. Women's football always kind of used as the, the guinea pig or the experimental grounds. The only time I can think of that with the men's football really was the golden goal and the silver goal when that got brought in. That's the only what big was silver change. Goal? Silver goal was if you scored and then you finished the half as the leading team. Is that right? You got brought in. What I, did they do that for? I think the Champions League. I don't wow. think. I remember got, golden goal, Euro 96. Yeah, Euro 2000 as well. David Trezeguet, Trez- I'm pretty oh, sure. I didn't know that. I thought goal. it was just 96, right? Okay, fine. Because I remember Kuntz scored. We'll leave that in there. <laughs> Couldn't <spy> my name. <laughs> Couldn't score, and nature. the whole of England went, "What a!" <laughs> but it was disallowed. It was disallowed. Exactly. Disallowed golden goal. Yeah. yeah. So the, the silver goal, I'm pretty certain, was Champions League, which again short lived. Right. If you scored in like the second minute of extra time and you finished that half, I don't remember that one at all. Right. I, well, I think everyone thought this is just shambolic. Yeah, it's just it was. Terrible. It was bad. Yeah. On the eve, you mentioned that uh, women's football would become part of the Summer Olympics. So on the eve of the 1996 Summer Olympics, which was not- in America. Oh, interesting. So maybe, yeah, maybe the USA is really influencing. I feel like things. they've got a 
foothold. big sway in this, doesn't it? That's right. So the 1995 Women's World Cup uh, served as a way for international teams to qualify for that tournament. So the World wow. Cup was used to qualify for the Olympics. That is unheard it's of. It's really strange. FIFA Especially and the IOC working together. Yeah, exactly. It's really strange. Not on this like, big dick swinging, I'm more important than you. <laughs> I can't believe FIFA agreed to that. Yeah, really strange. So although football had previously existed as an Olympic competition, the uh, 96 Summer Olympics marked the first time which women's football tournament was held. However, since there was no time to hold a qualifying tournament because it was a late decision, the eight best teams in the FIFA Women's World Cup in 95 would be automatically selected. So the top eight in the World Cup would right. go on to represent their I mean, country. it makes sense, but I just don't believe it happened. No, it's so strange, yeah, yeah. isn't it, for these big committees to be working together. Also, a strange note, the Women's Euros have been held months earlier in the same year. So in March... We had the Women's Euros, yeah. and then in June, we're having the Women's World Cup. Very strange, but... And was that, I mean, you might not know, but was the Women's Euros a relatively big tournament? I think this was in the In women's third, football? Yeah, I think it was the third tournament. Right. So it was, so it was older teams, than the World Sweden, Cup. Sweden, Denmark, they would have been in the... T- in That's the, right. So right. Germany, I'm pretty certain, this is off the top of my head, I'll fact check for next week, but right. I'm pretty certain that Germany win the first three Euros. Right. So they have that dominance. Of course they um, do. I guess, especially without the US there. <laughs> Kuntz was actually uh, dressed up in a wig <laughs> and just came on. Uh, so the women's what jury... Is, what a... Anyway, so the women's jury has been held months earlier. Germany won, beating Sweden 3-2. Um, so heading into this World Cup, literally only a few months after, Germany were actually one of the tournament favourites yeah. alongside only two other nations in Norway and obviously the reigning champions, the USA. Yeah. So it's basically considered that those three teams, Norway, USA or Germany, Germany. would be the winners. Right. England found themselves, so in their first tournament, England found themselves in a group with Norway, with Nigeria and with Canada. Uh, Norway would end up blitzing that group, scoring 17 goals and conceding none. Blimey. Yeah, so it was similar to what you described last week where the yeah, USA yeah. just battered everyone in front of them. Yeah. Uh, Norway's um, kind of dominance just rang true. So England, surprisingly, only lost 2-0 to Norway. So I was going to ask that. Yeah, we had a right. relatively good... Um, Go on, girls. Yeah, we had a good uh, performance against Norway despite the 2-0 loss. It was the smallest margin of defeat compared to any other fellow group members. And England even managed 3-2 wins against both Nigeria and Canada. So in their first World Cup, the Lionesses managed to finish second in Group B so and advance in, advanced the knockout oh, stages. Nice. Uh, Sweden was surprisingly... Sorry, can you... Is it... Kelly Smith, is there any names for the England team that a, we might recognise? That's a great question. It might be before her time. So the squad, I think that we'd recognise a couple of names. Hope Powell, so before she would become manager, she yep. was obviously playing, representing yep. England. Uh, she played for the Croydon women's team at the time. Of course. Uh, the, the Giants. There were quite a lot of Croydon women players in the squad. Um, but then also uh, a name that I think... I think it's familiar, but may or may not be to most people. Karen Farley. Um, she was one of the first to go and play in a foreign league as well, which is why I remember uh, her name. Okay. She played in Sweden. So at the kind of top top domestic level of women's football. Yeah. Uh, going through, uh, there's not any other names that I recognise, but that doesn't mean that they weren't, you know, giants in their own... Uh, well, it's funny, is it, it, it? Like, they may have been massive in the game, but I think what is interesting is seeing, as we'll see this change over the the tournaments we cover here, is names that made it through to the the mainstream yeah. conscious. And obviously, we're big football fans. Yeah, These major tournaments were happening and we had no idea who who they were. Yeah. It's yeah. just crazy. And that will change over time where they became well, it's like, it's like you, names. Yeah, it's like you said last week. The USA won the World Cup 
and nobody greeted yeah, them at yeah, the airport. Yeah, nobody yeah. knew who they were. What's the line? Nobody knows and nobody cares. That's right, yeah. That was said about it. And that's yeah. so sad. But it is true. Like, yeah, it's only people that have, like, exactly like you said, transitioned into modern era, yeah. whether they're still doing press or whether they're doing... And when that changed, to be interesting to see as yeah, well. Yeah, where we actually recognise yeah. most of the names. Yeah, very interesting. Sweden were surprisingly knocked out in the quarterfinals by China on penalties. So Sweden were another very strong team, but it was China that knocked them out 4-3 on penalties. Wow. Uh, so that was a bit of a shock. The hosts are a goner. That's right, yeah. So um, that was a, a, a big surprise. But Germany would end up knocking out England because men's wow. or women's football, it doesn't matter. No. It will always be the same. Was it Lineker's quote? 20-odd men kicked a ball around for 120 minutes. And at the end, do I really need to tell you, the Germans won. From all of us here, good night. Uh, so Germany knocked out England in the quarters and then they knocked out China in the semi-finals without much trouble, uh, similar to like we saw with the USA. And Norway would have exactly the same thing. They would beat Scandinavian rivals Denmark in the quarterfinals and then a semi-final matchup against the US. So it was a rematch Ooh. of the tournament's final four years earlier where Norway would end up winning this match 1-0, so very, very close between the US Norway and Norway. Norway beat US? Wow, Norway beat okay. US. We well, are I was talking, not expecting that. Yeah, we are talking about a Norway-Germany FIFA Women's World Cup final, right. which is very exciting. So, yeah, a bit of, not necessarily a surprise, because Norway were very strong, and they obviously had a, a lot of momentum, but the US's pedigree, as we've discussed loads already, made them probably slight favourites. But Norway managed to pull it off. It was a tough game, um, but Norway's set pieces proved the difference, and it was Norwegian and Christian Aranez, who uh, stood a shade below six foot, so obviously very wow. tall for a women's player yeah. and it was her kind of dominance in the air that really was uh, Norway would play a lot for set pieces the Peter Crouch of women's football yeah yeah exactly very much like that and she was so dangerous at um, set pieces we'll talk about her a little bit at the end but uh, through these early encounters, Norway-USA became a huge rivalry on the international stage, which I found out. So Norway and US being near the top of the yeah. the, the tree. Uh, there's a great quote here from Linda Madalen, who's a Norwegian forward. So I'll just say this quote because I just love the pettiness. I love the little bit of needle in it. <laughs> so it, yeah. a great quote. So it's fun to beat the Americans because they get so upset and they make so much noise when they lose. <laughs> this is a problem. Never be weak. I love that. <laughs> I love the Scandinavian uh, coldness. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's so good. So well done, Linda Madalin there. With a wonderful <laughs> quote to piss off the US, which I, I admire the US for everything they've done for women's football, but especially with things like uh, Alex Morgan when she did the sip in the cup of tea when America beat England. Yeah. I'm just like, get yeah. over it. Just do one. So I'm quite happy that they got the mick taken out of them after they <laughs> lost to Norway. So this led to the second ever Women's World Cup final and a showdown between the two favourites, Germany and Norway. So into the match itself, uh, 17,000 people attended the final in the Rasunda Stadium, but it was torrential rain. So the, the conditions were terrible, lots and lots of heavy rain. Uh, this was bringing in the golden goal, should it go to extra time. Right. So this that rule did permeate yeah, into yeah. the Women's World Cup. Uh, so the golden goal was in play, should the game go to extra time. But unfortunately for Norway, and this was a big a big deal for them, they were to play the final without their team captain and their highest capped player, Heidi Storr, following two yellow cards in the semi-final, earning an automatic one-game ban. Ah, uh, the so, old Gaza effect. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so their kind of star player, their Jordan Henderson, if you will. Mm. I'm just bitter because he yeah. looks like he's leaving and I want to cry. He's trying to make his money. Yeah, well, you know, you've got to look after your family, aren't you? Being a millionaire isn't enough. You need to be a multi-millionaire. <laughs> anyway, anyway, from my... Wonderful soapbox down here. 
Uh, Norway were obviously shook to the core, taking on a very dominant Germany team without their um, their team captain, their highest cap player, all that experience. So uh, Heidi Storr would have to watch from the sidelines, unfortunately. But Norway would be the ones to draw first blood after early dominance. So it was Norway's Hege Risa. I don't know if you know that name. Vaguely. Yeah, that, she's yeah. one of those that, and you'll understand why when I talk about this game and talk about how well she performs, but she is one of those early legends along with people like Hope Powell, where you kind of like, that name's still Mia to Ham. Mia Hamm, that's right. Um, Brandy Chastain, as we'll talk about. Um, but Hege Risa broke the deadlock in 36 minutes after a great run. She nutmegs one defender, pokes it past the sliding challenge of another before cutting back onto her right foot and placing a shot into the far corner of the goal from the edge of the box. Nice. It really is brilliant. It's just kind of somebody just in their flow. It's so good. She nutmegs, pokes it past the despairing defender, yeah. cuts inside. It's just a really, really strong goal. And 36 minutes in, it's Norway that uh, take the lead and they, they go 1-0 up over Germany. After this, Germany really struggled to gain any rhythm and Norway start pressurising them loads. So we see a lot of uh, front foot pressing, a lot of uh, kind of what we would, I guess, call gegen press now, or that kind of attacking on the front foot, not giving uh, Germany a chance to breathe. And Norway pressure them constantly and they have the big mo with them. The big man. So, uh, four minutes later, the lead would end up being doubled. So, within 40 minutes, Norway have managed to go 2 0 up. Can I just clarify that Germany were European champions, but Norway were favourites, right? Norway, it was basically a three way tie USA, Norway, and Germany. Right. Nobody could, there wasn't a clear cut winner because even though USA were reigning world champions and obviously had a, a really developed yeah. um, professional league. Basically. Just in my head, Norway and US are up there. Yeah. But Germany are kind of like young pretenders because they won the Euros. Well, I th- like I said, I think they won three Euros in a, w- in a row. Oh, okay. so, and the, so they'd established themselves. Yeah, that's right. right. And their domestic league was quite strong as well. They were one of the first to kind of adopt a, a formalised women's league. Yeah. So I, I think it was pretty close. But, but four minutes later, the league would be doubled when Germany, trying to get out of their own half, lose the ball with a crunching tackle. And I couldn't find the player that does it for Norway. I couldn't find her name. But there's Norwegian uh, Norwegian midfielder causes the ball to break with an absolutely crunching tackle. Nice. The ball then breaks to Linda Madalen, who we spoke about, who had the quote, who charges Do into not be the weak. box. That's right. Do not be weak. Uh, she charges into the box, but her left shot is parried. A weak shot, some would say, right. <laughs> is parried into the middle of the box. Hey, Linda. Come and with two German defenders near, ready to clear it, in the end, it is 19-year-old Marianne Patterson who slides to poke it home from four yards away. So it kind of falls in between these two German defenders, and there's a moment of hesitation where they don't know which one of them is going to clear it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's Patterson who comes in out of nowhere, just slides, and the toe pokes the ball in. It's great. So Norway take the lead 2-0. Uh, the rest of the game into the second half. Germany have little offensive forays in the second half, but ultimately nothing much to threaten the goal. Norway managed to strangle the game, that high pressure. And basically the second half just dwindles into a fairly easy contest yeah. um, with Norway happy to control and contain Germany. Germany unable to find a way to break through. And so even with the Germans huffing and puffing, it means that Norway would lift the trophy for the first time. Nice work. And with that, we'll go into our extra time round. Well, you have just witnessed 90 of the most gripping minutes of European football you will ever, ever see. But the good news is there's more to come. So we've spoken about um, the state of the women's game at this time, where a lot of players were still uh, very much amateur or at best part-time. There was not really enough funding to uh, make full-time women's teams. It was really still pretty much an amateur game or a semi-pro game. Uh, and this led to German captain Sylvia Nade 
took the, uh, taking things to extreme lengths in order to be ready. So this is a quote from her. It was a great World Cup, particularly from my point of view. I know that I had prepared really well for this. It was clear that it was going to be my last World Cup, so I registered myself as unemployed beforehand so that I really had a lot of time to train, which is what I did. Wow. So an amazing sacrifice by Sylvia Nade there. So she literally... Went on the doll. Yeah, she went on the doll in order to be able to train full-time, knowing it would be a last World Cup, wanting to give her all, which obviously for the German captain to then lose in the final is quite harsh, but I guess a reward, a kind of like, I was right to do that. So an amazing sacrifice. But again, the idea that your country's captain... has to go unemployed in yeah, order to be able to, yeah. to train full time is crazy. Um, some another bit of pop culture from this that you may or may not know. So Norway became famous for their train celebration during this tournament that featured the team forming a line, moving behind one another on all fours. So they would literally. Oh, I think just, I've seen yeah, that. Yeah, yeah it's the great. ankle grab. That's thing. it. Yeah, 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 it's exactly that. So that was their famous celebration. Yeah. I tried to find an origin. I couldn't find like who decided or why they yeah. did it. But it was obviously um, it's some it's an image you can picture from that World yeah, Cup, yeah. which is great. So the Norway became famous for their train celebration. Now, Hege Risa, who we spoke about, she was uh, the tournament's best player. Uh, She scored five and she assisted five. Absolutely incredible numbers for her. But she wouldn't want to run away with the golden boot. So the golden shoe... I, I prefer golden boot, but it's officially called the golden shoe. Is it? No, golden boot. I don't know if that's a women's thing where it's like you're well, a golden wear shoe. Boots. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, uh, in the end, it would be uh, Anne Christian Aronners, who's uh, Norway. She's the very tall lady. Who right, sc- okay. Who won right. the Golden Shoe Award for scoring six goals? So there were, and this is this. Are they is all brilliant. headers. Probably, in all honesty, they probably were. Uh, this is a good little stat, though. We've yeah. also spoken about average goals per game in men's World Cups, where around two is pretty decent. Yeah. Uh, like 2.5 is amazing. There were 99 goals scored in 26 matches for an ag- average of 3.81 goals per match. So if you wanted to be entertained, the Women's World Cup is where it was at. Yeah. An average of 3.8 goals per game. Yeah. So very, very good. And so that is the recap of the 1995 Women's World Cup final, which, again, we didn't talk about it, but is officially now called the FIFA Women's World Cup. Oh, is it? Cup. I was going to yeah. ask that. Right, okay. It's officially called that, not the M&M's. Even if it's, yeah, M&M's Cup, yeah, yeah. yeah. Even if it's known as a feeder to the Olympics. That's right, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's so strange, but it's also, it is really interesting going... Like looking at the formation, it's always interesting looking at the formation of any tournament yeah. and how it all comes together and seeing it try and find its place in the kind of global game and how the hierarchy changes between the World Cup being like the Euros is an older championship at this point. So yeah. the world, it, which is strange to me that Europe would come before the world, yeah. but yeah. Um, yeah, nevertheless, it, yeah, it's, it's fun watching the kind of genesis of it and seeing it grow definitely. And, yeah, and it's become really what it interesting. Is now. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, along the, we had this with the men's World Cup. Along the way, you kind of figure out how that came about in all the different politics especially yeah. the politics that mm-hmm. come into it which i'm sure is going to be the same but yeah the olympic world cup crossover is strange strange thing. First, and i don't it? know i assume that doesn't carry on once the women's world cup finds its feet yeah did america win the 96 olympics i'm assuming they did because it was in atlanta and you'd imagine they dominated on home soil yeah, they did. So it was the US, they beat China 2-1 um, in the gold medal match in August 96. So, yeah, very nearby, just a year later. Interesting, US against China, which teases the 1999 World Cup. Oh, look at that. And that is the perfect setup for uh, next week's episode. So uh, I hope everybody enjoyed listening into that. And please join us next week as we get to look at a iconic final.
Jonathan Goldard. You mean David Coulthard? David. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she might be related to Jonathan Coulthard. But I don't know who he is. <laughs> Julian Coulthard, you know, Jonathan's sister. It's <laughs> 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 good, this, because we're out of our depth, but I quite oh, like yeah, it. So. <laughs> you still recording? Yeah. That needs to go in. I'll stick it on the end as an outro. Julian Coulthard. <laughs>